Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Hi, thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Claire Navarro. For this week's podcast, we're continuing our series on the interior of the earth. Our guest is Aubria Adams. My name's Aubria Adams. I am a, a postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Earth and Planetary Sciences here at WashU. Adams has conducted fieldwork all over the world, in places like Uganda, South Africa, and Antarctica. Most recently, she's been working on a geologic puzzle found in Cameroon. One of the most interesting features in Africa that most people have never heard of is something called the Cameroon Volcanic Line, which is, as the name implies, a line of volcanoes on the west coast of Africa. Half of this line extends into the ocean, the other half is on shore. If you're the type of person who's into volcanoes, this is a place you can actually go visit. These volcanoes are visible above ground, and in fact, there's one right in the middle of the volcanic line called Mount Cameroon, which is very visible. It's a very tall volcano. You can go and hike it. Um, They're considered active volcanoes, not because they're spouting out lava every few weeks or anything, but because in geologic time, they are still active. Here's the thing about the Cameroon volcanic line. Nobody knows why it's there. Geologists don't know what exactly created these volcanoes. There have been theories, of course. For many years, people looked at this line and they assumed it was a hotspot trace. So that's a lot like uh, Hawaii. A hotspot trace happens when one of Earth's plates moves over a very hot region deep in the Earth. As the plate slowly moves across the hotspot, volcanoes are created, like Hawaii. But when people started to look at it in more detail, they realized that actually doesn't make sense for the Cameroon volcanic line. If you had a hotspot trace, you should have ages of volcanoes where one end has older volcanics than the other end. And that's not what we see in Cameroon. So if a hotspot trace didn't create the Cameroon volcanic line, what did? This is the mystery that Adams wanted to investigate. So there's been a number of efforts to try and come up with other possible ways for how this volcanic chain might form. And in 2005 through 2007, there were a number of seismic stations installed on the land half of the volcanic line specifically to study that feature. These seismic stations use earthquakes as naturally occurring energy sources. By measuring and analyzing seismic waves generated by earthquakes, Geologists like Adams can learn a lot about what's going on deep inside the Earth. We also heard about this in a previous podcast with Sean Way. So if we measure the, the speed at which these waves travel at different periods, then we can get an idea of what the uh, characteristic velocity is for rocks at different depths. And from that, we can back out the properties of those rocks, how, how hot they are, what their chemical composition is, and, and things of that nature. And then from that, we can make some inferences about the processes that are going on uh, at hundreds of kilometers of depth. This isn't exactly an easy process, even starting with how scientists set up the instruments that collect the data. The seismic stations that Adams mentioned, for example, have to go underground. In this case, you dig a big hole in the ground. It's about a meter wide by two meters long and two meters deep, so it looks a lot like a grave, and you get a lot of really interesting questions from uh, people living in the area about why you're digging a grave in this strange spot. Uh, And into this big hole in the ground, 
you um, you put all your instruments in there, and to protect them, they go inside of large barrels. One barrel contains the seismometer itself. A second barrel houses other important equipment, like batteries. You also have the data acquisition system, or the computer that runs the whole thing. You bury all of this in the ground, and what you end up with at the surface is just a very small GPS clock. These don't really look like the GPS units that you carry around when you go hiking. They're actually very nondescript, kind of little blocks, and they usually go on a pole or in a tree, and a, uh, a small solar panel to recharge the batteries that you've buried in the station. For the Cameroon project, 32 of these seismic stations were set up. Adams didn't work on those stations herself, but she has done similar fieldwork elsewhere. And the process brings up some interesting practical questions about how science works. For example, who does what? I was wondering, who actually digs these grave-sized holes? Who digs the hole is an interesting question, and it really depends on where you're working. So here in the United States, if we install stations here, then the scientists and sometimes students who go along are the ones digging holes. But something that was surprising for me in East Africa, and I've heard from people in West Africa as well, actually is you don't dig the holes because it's actually kind of a way to reach out to communities um, because you are working in an area where people are living off very small amounts of money. And if you come in as a foreigner, they really want an opportunity to work. And so they would much rather you pay them what to them is a very generous salary uh, to dig your hole for you. So it's it's a little uncomfortable as a foreigner coming in and, and uh, dealing with this process, but it actually does work pretty well for community outreach. And you also get the digger's friends come around and want to talk to you about what's going on. And so eventually the whole community figures out what you're doing there. So after all of these stations were set up and a huge amount of information was collected, Adams and others finally had the chance to dig into the data itself. Over time, she discovered that underneath the Cameroon volcanic line, there is an area of low velocities, where seismic waves behave differently than in other nearby areas. This area actually had a specific shape. Beneath the Cameroon volcanic line, there, the region of low velocities is something we call tabular. And that means if you were to look down at it from the surface, it would look like a line. But if you could cut the earth in half and look at it, it would look like a wall. So it's kind of like there is a wall of low velocities directly beneath the Cameroon volcanic line. And it extends to depths of about 150, possibly down to 200 kilometers. But the, the lowest velocities, so the slowest, slowest rocks, if you will, um, are at, at depths of 150 kilometers or less. At this point, there were a number of different theories floating around about how the Cameroon volcanic line formed. The discovery of this wall of low velocities helped Adams figure out which of these ideas might still be true and which can be ruled out. So uh, one possible theory suggested that there might be material from the Afar plume in East Africa, in Ethiopia, that was flowing along a, a shear zone in Africa. So basically this, this kind of channel of warm material flowing under the African continent and erupting at the surface in Cameroon. But if that were the case, we would expect to see fast velocities indicating that, that flow, and, and we didn't observe that. So there's one theory disproven. Another theory would have required the low velocities to be present some 400 kilometers below the surface. But the data showed that the low velocities were much more shallow than that, 
about 150 to 200 kilometers deep. So there's another theory disproven. From all of this, we're left with two possible scenarios. Near the Cameroon volcanic line to the south, there's this old, thick block of rock called the Congo Craton. Some models have predicted that right on the edge of this cool, thick feature, you would see an area of movement called a convection cell. When you have a convection cell, you have small-scale circulation of material. And we see this if you're, if you're boiling water in, in your kitchen. If you have a pot of water, sometimes you can see that you don't just have one big bubble of warm material coming up to the surface. Instead, you have lots of little what we call convection cells where you have the cooler water at the surface going down and then rising up some distance away. And this happens in many different locations in your pot of water. And each of those is a convection cell. And if we were looking at the Cameroon volcanic line, we would be seeing basically one small convection cell um, where the downwelling is at the edge of the craton and the upwelling is beneath the Cameroon volcanic line. So a convection cell on the edge of the Congo craton is one of two remaining possibilities for how these volcanoes formed. Here's the other theory that's left. Another possibility is a an inherent instability along the edge of a continent. And this is something that hasn't been observed in the Earth in real life, but in laboratory models, there have been observations that along the edge of a um, of a continent, due to cooling differences for the continent and the oceanic lithosphere, that you would actually create linear upwellings um, radiating out from the center of a continent. So in the end, Adams and her colleagues know a lot more about the Cameroon volcanic line than they did before this project. However, the mystery of how these volcanoes formed isn't quite solved. The final answer will require even more careful research. I would love to go back to Cameroon, and actually we're trying to get funding right now to do an extension on this project because all of the data we have so far is based only on land. But this is a feature that is half on land and half on the ocean. So what I would like to do in the future is to install some seismometers in the ocean side of this feature. Uh, and those are called ocean bottom seismometers for obvious reasons. Um, but there are a lot of logistical difficulties with doing that and of course with securing funding. But I think that doing that in the future would really help us kind of tie down um, which of these two possible remaining uh, scenarios as is actually responsible for the formation of the Cameroon volcanic line. Whether in an extension of the Cameroon project or in studying one of her other areas of interest, like earthquakes, Adams will continue thinking about the Earth in a way that few of us do on a regular basis. Not only is she looking deep below the crust of the Earth where we all spend our time, she's also looking back in time. I think geology is pretty exciting because you have very big picture ideas and you're constantly challenging yourself to think on a scale that is very foreign to your daily experiences. So um, I'm an American so I think in feet if I am looking around me about something being five feet tall. But when you're thinking about the earth and the processes that go on inside the earth, you're thinking not just in kilometers, so a thousand times bigger than that, but in tens of kilometers or hundreds of kilometers. And the time scales you're thinking about are also very challenging. And so these processes that we're investigating in Cameroon and, and also in other places 
are taking place over the course of tens of millions of years, and we're just seeing a single snapshot. And that's both very challenging and also very exciting just to try and hold that spatial and time scale in your mind all at once is humbling and exciting. Many thanks to Apriya Adams for joining Hold That Thought. For many more ideas to explore, please visit holdthatthought.wustl.edu. As always, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter or subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.